Father Christmas can't come if we haven't got a chimney. You'll see. Inform you under powers entrusted to me under section 47, paragraph 7 of Council Order number 438476. That Mr. Buttle, <laughs> residing at 412 North Tower, Shangri La Towers, has been invited to assist the Ministry of Information with certain inquiries, and that he is liable to certain financial obligations as specified in Council Order RB stroke CZ stroke 907 stroke X. Sign here, please. <laughs> Again, please. Just there. Press harder this time. Good. Oh, but this is all about. That is your receipt for your husband. Thank you. And this is my receipt for your receipt. Mrs. Buttle, are you okay? I'd like to watch, Eve. What do you mean, I'd like to watch? i like to watch. I'm Don Hall. This is Donnie Smith. And this is the I Like to Watch podcast, yet another podcast about film. So, uh... How you doing, Donnie? Yeah, you, you you felt like you were a little uh, you're a little over the top for the last episode. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Old, old Papa was off his rocker in the last. <laughs> someone, someone someone went off his meds for the night. I can't, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ Almighty! No, it's funny because you know Nikki said about you know Italian South Side Chicago, you know, blah blah blah. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's not too far off. I mean, you know, everybody's got to top the other person in order to be heard. Kind of that's how we grew up. So. It's no wonder it came out in that podcast, you know. <laughs> yeah, and the Irish, the Irish in me. So yeah, sure, I, sure, I, sure. I feel it. I feel it. Um, yeah. So let's. Uh, we talked a little bit about the writer strike last episode, and I yeah. think we've got a little bit more to talk about. So let's do a little bit of housekeeping. No, thank you. Sleeping. Housekeeping. You come back in an hour. Housekeeping. You want towel? More towels need sleepy. Housekeeping, you want men for pillow? Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God. So just right off the bat, um, the last time, you know, I, 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 I kind of railed against producers, producers, producers. I think I said producers guild a couple of times. Uh, I want to make I want to make a correction. Um, apparently, I am not the first one uh, to have had this issue. 
uh, back during the writer strike in 2007, 2008. Uh, Nikki Fink was a big uh, contributor to Deadline Hollywood, uh, the online kind of industry website, um, and a member, the vice president of the Producers Guild actually reached out to Nikki Fink to kind of uh, uh, correct her. And so, you know, doing some research of my own uh, about the difference between the Producers Guild and the Ampetipu, which, again, also, <laughs> also forgive me, I, I, believe I, said, I believe I said the American motion picture, but that's not true. Uh, it's the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. That's the acronym, Ampetipu. Um, the vice president actually reached out to her uh, on deadline, and she, she published the, the email she got clarifying. So I just clarified for our listeners as well. Uh, quote, producers are independent entrepreneurs, or in the case of line producers and other members of the producing team, crew members whose job is to get their projects made and distributed. Definitively, the writers neither are neither negotiating with nor striking the producers. Now, this holds true back then as it does right now. The WGEA's battle is with the studios and networks, the alliance of motion picture and television producers, not with producers. It's true the last P in Ampetipu stands for producers, but that designation is a vestige of a time long past when producers and studios were effectively synonymous. Today, producers are just like any other group of workers in this town trying their hardest to land their next job and realize their creative and professional goals. It's the writers versus the studios, the WGA against the Alliance. Got so it. I just wanted to make, I just wanted to make that yeah. clarification because like if I was not cognizant of it when we were talking, I'm sure a lot of our listeners probably would not delineate it, between the two. I, so. I, I wouldn't even be able to delineate between the two because uh, yeah, you're way more industry uh, insider than I am. Um, so, yeah, I actually appreciate that clarification. One of the things that, that I wrote, I wrote about this in Littered Ape not too long ago, in, uh-huh. this, in this fight with the writers in the studios, is that there is a, a big clause that they would like to prevent uh, studios from using AI in a number of ways to, to prevent AI from writing, rewriting literary pieces, from writing scripts, and from the the... the, the I don't know if it's current use or if it's proposed use of using AI, like reducing writer rooms from like eight writers to like two writers to then refine AI. And I think this is an interesting topic because my goal was, or my, my viewpoint was, man, every time any, every time any workers of any kind go to bat up against new technology, they always lose. That's fair. I think I think it's a it, I think it's a little more nuanced than that, as things always are. Um, according to the little snippet of th- things that I've found online um, regarding AI, the Writers Guild put out this this kind of uh, A and B. You know what we want versus what Ampetipa is is kind of trying to negotiate for and with. Okay, on artificial intelligence. The Writers Guild states here that I'm looking at, um, regulate use of artificial intelligence on MBA-covered projects. MBA is basically the, the collective bargaining agreement, okay? AI can't write or rewrite literary material. Uh, 
can't be used as source material, and MBA-covered material can't be used to train AI. So pursuant to your, your piece in The Literate Ape about the 10,000 hours of Aaron Sorkin and 10,000 or 10 million hours of exactly, Wilder, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Nora et cetera. Efron, the whole nine yards, yeah. Th they, they don't want any of that to be able to be used to train AI. The Ampetipus response to that was they reject the proposal completely. They countered by, quote, offering annual meetings to discuss advancements in technology. Well, now, my problem, now, my pro now, my problem with the offer of <laughs> meeting annually to discuss, you know as well as I do how quickly technology changes. This is moving part, super fast. Oh, it's part super of, fast. Part of, the reason, part of the reason we're having a lot of the same arguments we meaning I think I think I could say we as the industry as a whole okay because the DGA the Directors Guild SAG the Actors Guild they're all basically in line with the writers because they're the first to negotiate and whatever they negotiate for is going to trickle down to the rest of us and whatever they negotiate for and don't get is going to be a lot harder for the directors and then even harder for the actors to fight uh, against or for or whatever so my problem with the offer to discuss, I mean, what does that fucking mean? I mean, a lot of the kind of residual uh, payment stuff for streamers and blah, 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 blah. We tried to fight. The writers tried to fight for that last time. The actors tried to fight for that last time. We're fighting for it again years later. So, I, you know, with, with, the, with the very, as you say, the, the very quick advancement of AI technology, I mean, who knows where this is going to be in the next 10 years when a contract is up or 13 years, whatever, however long the contract ends, um, versus two weeks or two months. Well, I would, I would argue, yeah, because I, I, I think you're right. I think the, hey, we'll meet, with, we'll, we'll talk about it every year is meaningless. But I also think, to be honest with you, um, we don't want to have any of our projects training AI is also meaningless because a, well, a, a, hold on ai yeah. is ai is trained by its existence on the internet oh. so if it's on the internet ai is going to is going to absorb it so there well, is it, absolutely no way for any movies to be made any screenplays to be written that are not going to be put on the internet at this point so that's just well, not a very I, realistic goal i agree with you well and i hate to say this because it really it it sucks to admit this, and I hate to say it, but the studios own that shit. I know that somebody, I know Billy Wilder created it. I know Sorkin wrote it. I know, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the studio, the studios paid for it. The studios own that shit. So they can do whatever they want with it. And if they want to use it to train AI, like it's their IP, like they fucking own it. So the fact that the writers now want to kind of retroactively say well, you can't use it i i think you're right i think that's a, it's a it, it's a little bit of a toothless kind of uh, yeah yeah argument to have. And, and i think that the, the sad thing is is even if they own it to me at this point and even in oh, the it's future, already out there in the given, ether yeah, yeah given, yeah. given yeah, the yeah, business yeah. It, i mean I, I understand sir i think it's it, it's not quite congress's inability to grasp tiktok but i i think 
at least because I've been reading a lot about this AI stuff. And the thing about it is, yeah, yeah. is it doesn't matter who owns it. If it goes on the internet, if it is oh, present yeah, yeah, yeah. on the internet, yeah. AI yeah. is going to utilize that information as a part of its training. So there's really not any way unless you just say, all right, all screenplays, we're not going to show movies. They won't be streaming. That's just not realistic. And so I think that's going to be a problem. And I, I think, I think the writers and the directors and the actors, I think everybody has to be conscious of the fact that this is going to happen whether we like it or not. And just like, and unlike the journalism and the retail stores and the shopping malls, instead of just saying, we're going to just fight it and, and go about our business the way we've been doing it, and it just destroys their business. Right. I, I think Hollywood has the opportunity to say, this is going to happen whether we fucking like it or not. So we either figure out how we make it work in tandem with what we do, or mm-hmm. it's going to eat us alive. And I think that's those are the choices. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a conundrum because, you know, I mean, there are some, you know, really dog shit companies out there. I mean, look, at what, are, what is that company? I don't even know the name of the company. And uh, frankly, I don't really want to shit on them. But, uh, you know what is that company that does the knockoff movies right it's oh. not trans it's not transformers it's like transmorphers yeah there's like there's like a couple companies that do that right it's not sharknado even though sharknado is really low on the totem pole it's like shark versus cobra in space fucking nonsense right <laughs> so like, we gotta cover one of those movies <laughs> what's oh, yeah, well yeah we have to find one good enough but shitty enough to have fun with anyway yeah, yeah. um um What's to stop those companies, though, from basically saying, like, well, fuck you. We're not going to pay you even the WGA minimum, which I don't even know what that is anymore. Mm-hmm. Let's just say let's just say it's, it's 10 grand, which I don't even know if it's that. Let's say if it's 10 grand, we're not even going to pay you the WGA minimum because I can go on ChatGP for free, like you said in your article. And I want, I want Indiana Jones meets Jaws meets Close Encounters meets When Harry Met Sally. Go. And it's going to happen. And it, it might not be perfect, but the thing about it is you and I, and that, that, that is one of the things that I can absolutely, in your disdain for Marvel, um, I think it's, uh, you, you focus your, 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 your rage at Marvel specifically, and that's because right now it's the big dog of the fight. But I, I would argue that most studio films in probably the last 10 years, in the big ones, the tentpole movies, mm-hmm are all just sort of derivative of other movies and other stories. Oh, I mean, to, and, to, you know, you know and Marvel, art, I mean, Marvel's the same. It, I mean, let's be honest, as much as I love the Marvel movies, it's the same movie over and over and over. Well, so what's the difference from AI doing it? And, and, and that is the frustration that I feel with you. I understand your frustration yeah, with it. I, th- I think that, I think the biggest difference is, and, I mean, and you, you said this in your article and look, everyone, I, I do encourage you to go read Don's article on the literate ape about, about this. It, you know, um, you know, you say it in the article about, uh, the opening of the player and that's, that's an age-old joke. I mean, that shit was going on before the 80s, right? That oh, was yeah. In the 60s. Yeah. That was yeah, the yeah. 70s. You know, the same thing I said, basically. I want uh, Jurassic Park meets uh, Animal House, okay? You know, and th- I think the difference is... That's a great screen- idea. I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the frat boys get loose in a park. And eat. That's it. <laughs> um, I, th- I think the difference is screenwriters used to use those things to pitch ideas because they needed to boil shit down 
to the studio's level because the studio wants shit that's going to make money. No one ever walks in the room and says, um, okay, it's After Hours meets Ishtar. Okay, because neither one of those movies, I mean, After Hours is a Scorsese film. Mm-hmm. I actually just saw it for the first time. Oh, it's it so is, good. It, oh, really? Oh, oh I you don't. Not. Oh, you didn't like no. After Hours? No, maybe no, I, haven't, I, was, I haven't seen it in a long time, so maybe no, I won't like it, it as much. But when are, I saw it originally, I really loved it. So, okay, fair some, enough. There are, some, there are some cinematic moments of brilliance. You, you, you see a lot of camera technique, especially, and editing technique, especially that he uses to greater effect in other films, subsequent films. It's not a, not a great movie. Anyway. Oh, okay. All right, fair. I it's, like Griffin Dunn so much in that. Maybe oh, I just can't see. I can't. Yeah. I can't see past Griffin Dunn, so maybe that's why I like it so much. But yeah, a, okay. I have to rewatch it. It's a stacked cast. Drink, everybody. Um, um, but Ishtar fucking tanked. It's, you know, and it's a Here, terrible. Here's another movie. one for you. Here's another one for you. It's the Postman meets Westworld, uh, uh, Waterworld. No one is ever going to walk in a room and say that because those two movies fucking cost a lot of money and tanked. They did take. So, Although I short, really love the Postman, and yeah, I really I hated Waterworld. So yeah, I get but, it. I get but, it. It's all but, personal but taste, the, but yeah. But, that, but that's the thing, right? That's so the game. Screenwriters, screenwriters used to use that technique to pitch their idea of what they wanted to write, because then the studio would be like, "Oh, Jaws and Jurassic Park made a fucking billion dollars. Like, yeah, we want something like that. Let's read that. Let me bring that in." So that's kind of that's kind of my problem. Like. And, and what you say about, about using that technique for chat GPT, it's like, but that's, but that's not what it was used to. The, the screenwriters didn't use that to write their stories. They used it to pitch the idea to the studio so the studio would buy it. Oh, yeah. No, I'll buy that. And I'll if buy you that. Looked, and, if you, and if you looked at a lot of those screenplays that were written by guys and gals mm-hmm. who, pitched, who pitched those two, three movie combinations, if you ended up reading that screenplay... Nine times out of ten, my money's on the fact none of those three blockbuster films they pitched for their idea are anywhere in the concept are, of yeah, the screenplay they wrote. It's a general idea, but yeah, and, right. but that's the thing is at this point, um, you know, and, and right now, and I, I, I do make that point in the article is that yeah, AI is a little clumsy right now, but you have to remember that this is a phenomenon that has hit us literally in six months. <sighs> And I, and, know, and, I, know, it, I know. and 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 they've been developing this for a very short period of time, actually, and yeah. it, it is really advanced fast. It's going to advance faster, and for every Jurassic it's, Park that they, if, if you can right now, and I tried it, you can write oh, yeah. me a synopsis of you know. I can't remember what I tried. I think I said Pretty Woman and uh, E.T., I think. Sure, and it, sure. And it had a pretty interesting... I mean, it wasn't great, no. but give it three more months, and it's going to be fucking very interesting. And it's like, yeah, that's, fuck, that's... I don't... It's going to happen. I, we just have to figure out how to make it work for us rather I, than against us. I don't envy the people trying to negotiate this right now. And Me neither. As much as, as much as I've written a couple screenplays and would really like to get into that world and I'm kind of in a way uh, kind of loading my bases if you will by by trying to write a lot right now and this is yeah. even before the strike started um, you know I'm hoping to come out of the other side of all of this and have some some opportunity who knows what even if it's just a fucking meeting or two 
Um, so I don't envy the people that are on the negotiating side of this. Um, what what does scare me though is is what comes after this negotiation and what comes out of this negotiation. You know, I mean, what was it? Sometime last year, I think it was. You know, it went around the internet that you know Bruce Willis had sold his likeness to some AI company. Mm-hmm. But then it very quickly. It, I was doing some research today. It very quickly came out that that was all bullshit. Okay. Um, okay, he did not sell his fucking likeness. But I mean, what's to stop anybody from doing it? And that's terrifying because then. How do new people come up? How do new actors come up? How do new writers come up? You've got Sam Jackson in. Yeah, you got Sam Jackson and Captain Marvel playing somebody, you know, 30 years younger than him, and it's him. Oh, well, you know what? God bless the motherfucker, though, because he's got some good teeth. He looks older. He looks older in A Time to Kill with Matthew McConaughey. Yes, yes, he does. Than he fucking does now. And that movie was like twenty five fucking. That years is ago. true. That so is like, true. Jer- Jeremy Piven looks younger now than he did in nineteen eighty fucking eight. Okay, so like that's uh, God bless. Now Jeremy Piven just he has got plugs done, but uh, Jackson got money <laughs> and a skincare routine. Okay, and got a fucking personal trainer and probably a chef. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. That motherfucker looks good. So he does look good. God bless him. All now, right, well, I think I think this discussion really dovetails nicely into yes, yes. Uh, your pick uh, uh, for this week. So, yeah, uh, please go go ahead. Please introduce it. I heard you were coming aboard. Congratulations, DZ Stroke 015. Are you Officer Four and Two Stroke L? Uh huh. That's me. Oh, it's Sam. A very happy Christmas. Thanks, Jack. You settling in all right? Yes, fine. Jack, I, I... I need some information. Oh, Sam, this is information retrieval, not information dispersal. <laughs> hey, Amy, don't throw the ball around in here. I'm not Amy, I'm Holly. Did I call you Amy, darling? I'm sorry. A triplet? One of them, I think. Barbara's taking the other two Christmas shopping. Uh, Jack, now bring me the blue one over there. I need to find out about a woman. Come on, Chloe, let's show Uncle Sam here how we can make the word cat. Shall we? I'm Holly. Oh, sorry, love. So you are. This is her. Wait. Oh, shit. How much do you know about this? Um, not much. What does uh, B58 stroke 732 mean to you? Bottle. <laughs> I knew it. Where's word bloody quick, Sam? Who else knows? Warren? Helpman? I don't know. I only know you got the wrong man. Information transit. Got the wrong man. I got the right man. The wrong man was delivered to me as the right man. I accepted him on good faith as the right man. Was I wrong? You killed Buttle. Sam, there are very rigid parameters laid down to prevent such things happening. And it wasn't my fault that Buttle's heart condition didn't appear on Tuttle's file. Come on, look. Jack. I really need to know about Tuttle. Well, we're going to have to bring Mr. Tuttle in, aren't we? And interrogate him at the same voltage as Mr. Buttle. And juggle the books and electrical banking. What has Tuttle done? We suspect him of uh, freelance subversion. <laughs> then all I need to wrap up the case is the making woman. What has she done? Well, she witnessed the Tuttle, um, the Buttle arrest. Since then, she's been going around making wild allegations, obviously trying to exploit the situation. She's working for someone, and I don't think it's us. I've been writing a piece. Uh, I'm working on it. Uh, it's it's called the I Like to Watch 
20 perfect films. And one of the things wow. that I, that I, you know, and, and it's fucking ambitious. Well, I mean, I, it is. And it's why it's taking me a really long time to write it because the, you know, sort should. of the criteria for not just a film I like, or, you know, like subjectively I like, but for also subjectively that I think every frame, every line of dialogue, every performance is uh-huh. is is so in line with one another that it actually it, it it's such a complete package that you can't imagine anything different about it really working very well you know like and, like and clue exactly <laughs> like clue exactly Sorry. like Sorry. clue Sorry. except for howard hessman um anyway <laughs> um but uh, but no, the movie that I chose, it is, first of all, I will say that it is consistently, because I know you've probably got a top five, top ten f- favorite movies of all time, and it changes, right? It's always changing. Yeah. Yeah. This, this has been my number one favorite movie wow. for almost as long as I can remember. I mean, I, since this movie came out, it has been cool. my single favorite film I've ever seen, and I think it is an absolutely perfect film. It is mm. Terry Gilliam's Brazil from 1985. 85, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and okay, ready? Everybody drink. Stacked. Let's talk Stacked. about Stacked. It's sure. co written by Tom Stoppard. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Charles McCune, who we don't know, but he's also yeah. in the film. It's got Jonathan Price. It's got Robert De Niro. It's got Ian Holm. It's got mm-hmm. Bob Hoskins. It's got Michael yep. Palin. It's got Jim yep. Broadbent. And then it's got some women in it, too. Uh, <laughs> it's got Mona. It does. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I would not say that's a heavy hitter. But the thing no. I love about this movie, and there's so many things I do love about this, but one of the things that I love, I love a satire. I love a good, mean spirited, shitty, funny yeah. satire. Yeah, yeah. But most yeah. most films or books that are satires satire maybe one or two things in society. Brazil is a satire and a brutal one at that of religion nationalism, capitalism, bureaucracy, the war on terror decades before we had a name for it, consumerism, the worship of youth, beauty, the denial of aging. It is marketing. It is, it is a satire of everything shitty about the modern age. And and he packs it into one movie. It's amazing to me. Prescient is too small of a word. It really is to use for what's going on in this film. Yeah. Now, I mean, full disclosure. Yeah. Um, I did not enjoy watching this film. Okay, that's fair. That's it's totally a film, fair. It's a, it's a film that I have, I clearly, I, I remember the, uh, the VHS box from my days of trolling the, the, the fucking aisles in my video stores. Uh, that image of Catherine Hellman's face being stretched is... <laughs> indelibly etched in my fucking brain even though i just saw the movie three nights ago for the first time there you go um you know i i will say this is a film that i enjoyed more reading about than i did watching See that's interesting because okay yeah well let me tell you my experience and then I want to yeah hear, please, I want to I want to hear I want to hear some of your experience um, yeah because I feel this I, I I mean I can I actually completely understand that statement 
um, mm-hmm. because I enjoy reading about it and thinking about it. And like two, two of the things that I'm most interested in is like, it's, it's, it's like, okay, so what after, cause it's such a complicated narrative. Um, mm-hmm. and it's fun. I think it's fun. It makes me laugh. I mean, there are so many things that make me laugh in this movie. The, the, the whole, the whole, uh, uh, the desk, that you know the desk with the wall that you know, there's just so many bits that are obviously Terry Gilliam bits that are just fucking funniest to me funniest shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I love his little tiny car, you know, and that the kids you know that they blow it up and it's like there's so many different things that I think are actually funny. But one of the things that I think is really interesting, and I and I, I will point this out, Salman Rushdie. Um, I love this in his review of the film. He writes. America bombards you with dreams and deprives you of your own. And Brazil is about that, too. The struggle between private, personal dreams like flying and love and the great mass-produced fantasies of eternal youth, material wealth, and power. I will go one step further. The second quote, Gilliam is quoted as saying, the film means that for one man to remove himself from an insane system... He must himself lose his mind. And there is, uh, I came across, an, uh, a, a, it's um, uh, Lud- Ludwig uh, v- Wittgen- v- Wittgenstein? Ludwig Wittgenstein. He's a, a German philosopher from like the early, early 20th century, late 19th, early 20th century, right? Quote, a serious and good philosophical work could be written consisting entirely of jokes. And I think that that's very appropriate for this film. I think it's appropriate for something like Blazing Saddles. Yes. You know, I, I think, I think, I think while, while this film has very obvious parallels to 1984, to the point that Gilliam wanted to title it 1984 and a half. Yes, exactly. Right? Yep. Um, I think the difference is uh, I, I, clearly because of his kind of um, his aesthetic from, from, uh, being a founding member of Monty Python, like it's it's a lot cooler, and, and you've talked about this a lot too. It's a lot cooler, a lot smarter uh, to hit people over the head with a joke to get your point across than to hit people over the head with a message, a lecture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I love. Oh, I, I, ahead, yeah, there, there's yeah. so many things that I. I, I mean, I, I love uh, the production design. Is is again so? Fu- this is the thing, uh, and, and and you and I will disagree with this. Or I don't know if we disagree with on this or not, but I prefer. I would rather see something that no one has ever done like it, or mm-hmm. ever will do like it again. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. movie has an aesthetic that is. It is all its own. I mean, it's really, you know, it's well, this, this odd steampunk world, you know. Yeah, it, well, that's my thing, right? And I think that that's kind of where I'm at, is that there are a lot of themes, there are a lot of design elements, um, a lot of camera uh, 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 lenses, usage, editing, etc. A lot of filmmaking techniques, kind of like what I was saying about Scorsese with After Hours. There are a lot of things that Gilliam does in this movie that I think worked to better effect in other films. And I would, I would argue that he already kind of had this aesthetic going with Time Bandits before Brazil. 
Well, now, yeah, Time I, Bandits was a little more fantasy realm. Well, it, the, Time Bandits shit, was but, Time Bandits is a comedy. It's a straight up comedy. No, 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 yeah, yeah. And, yes. and one of the things when you mentioned Time Bandits, and and I would say what I would say is I would say that all the techniques that he that he that he played with in Python, that he played with in Time oh, Bandits, yeah. that he oh. then played with in the Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Um, twelve monkeys. It's well, yes, twelve monkeys yes. later is is no, know, yeah, yeah. is is that he he actually you know I think it's I, again I think it's perfected. Uh, the things that I love about it is it is very consistent. It's yes. filled this whole world this bizarre. I love it's, I love the fact that there it's filled with squares. Like in every yeah, 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 yeah. every room, every architecture is filled with squares, and I love and screens. Squares and screens. And the screens are tiny squares blown up by great big giant square magnifying glasses, which I think is bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just love the that, focus. Just the focus pulling I, that that I, has I, to I do fucking to get, love it. To, so, to get Price's face in that lens as the camera moves around like that. That is some fucking film. It's technique. so much they fun. They had to practice that oh, yeah. at least a couple of times before yeah. they shot it just to get that. Just to get the oh, image. I love it's the fact filmmaking. that, that yeah. the ducts inside the walls move and breathe like something alive. I sure. love the fact, and he's very specific about this, that every government space mm-hmm. is huge with towering ceilings and wide, empty floors and every communal space, like restaurants and department stores, are cramped and crowded oh, yeah, and yeah, low yeah. ceilings. I love that. And all I, those fucking ducts everywhere. Yeah, I love yeah. that the televisions are, are, are either showing westerns, like classic mm-hmm, dramas mm-hmm, with a damsel mm-hmm. in distress fantasy, or right. Casablanca, which right. is really just reflects a struggle between love and duty, and that's kind of the yeah, struggle yeah, yeah. that Sam Lowry has. That's Sam's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. mentioned you mentioned Time Bandits, and one of the things I think is is I can't think of any other film, and I, I just and maybe there is, I just can't think of one that mm-hmm. is from the filmmaker a part of two distinct trilogies, because Gilliam early on said that Time Bandits um, and Brazil and the Adventures of Baron Munchausen were what he called the Trilogy of Imagination. But then he made 12 Monkeys and the Zero Theorem, and he's calling Brazil, 12 Monkeys and Zero Theorem, the Orwellian Triptych which is yeah. another trilogy. And I love yeah. the fact that this one movie can uh, be a part of two very distinct trilogies from the filmmaker's perspective. Right. Again, I think it's, I, there isn't anything, and I, uh, one more thing, and then I'll let you tell me more. No, 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 no yeah. Uh, the other thing is, I, I, I love that there are, I own all three, ver- I have the Criterion um, uh, I was going to ask about this. And I have, okay. there are three versions of the film, um, and the Criterion Collection has all three. And the, the, the American producer wanted an American-friendly version. So the Well, theat- hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Be distinct about that. Sid Scheinberg at Universal yeah. wanted that version. Well, okay, right? okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, well, no, hold on a second. Scheinberg wanted the, the, the happy ending version. He wanted the love Arnon, conquers all, yeah. Arnon Milchin wanted yeah. a, sh- a slightly shorter version yeah. because it was contractually obligated to the American distributor, which was Universal Pictures. Yeah. Okay, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. yeah. sorry. But what I love is is that basically you had a, you had a European release 
Right. Okay. And then yep. you had then you had the, the, the 100, 142 minutes. Yeah. Then you had the 90 minute version, which was later dubbed the Love Conquers Love All Conquers version, all. where basically they, oh, they ride off dude. into the sunset. The ending and then, of that is it's, it's well, it's total bullshit. It and then you it have sucks. then you have the director's cut, which is like 192 minutes. And of those three, and I've watched all well, three no, 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 of them. 192 minutes. It's it's one is two hours and 32 minutes. One hours is one one is 90 minutes. Wait, the 142 minutes is how long? That's two hours and, and 12 minutes. 12 minutes. Okay. Or no, 22 then, minutes. Two 22 hours, 22 minutes. minutes. Yes. Then there's then there's two hours and 32 no two hours and it's just one is 10 minutes shorter one is 10 minutes yeah okay that's the director's one is 10 minutes shorter no the director's cut is the longer one the longest one yeah that's the longest one the european release was the middle one and the american release was the first one was the 90 minute no 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 No, that is actually the truth the longer one is the director's cut yeah i've got them preferred preferred 142 minute cut intact yeah, no, he, that's he, Gilliam's version. No, Gilliam's Gilliam version started, is the longer one. He prefers he prefers yes. the middle one. Yes, the 132 minute one. Yes, that's the one yes. he prefers. Sorry. We're yeah. This fucked but, me up when I was reading about it. Yeah, I know. It gets so, it gets very complicated. Yeah. But all we can say is the 90 minute one is fucking bullshit. And the sucks. 90 one yeah. is <laughs> shitty. The the longest one is a little excessive and it does and it's unnecessary. But the, yeah. the, the middle version, the European release is just pitch perfect and and there's nothing about it that I don't enjoy there's nothing i mean every and that's performance the one that's is wonderful widely available by yeah, the way. yeah 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 that's the one you, if if you go on if you go to the, the blu-ray streaming. and yeah, the, yes. yeah yeah you know you and have to get the criterion one to get to watch all the shit and i've watched yeah, yeah, yeah. like i said that and, and and this week i watched all 3 oh because my God. Wow. i love this movie so goddamn much God um, i think it's like i said there's nothing that makes me happier than because I like the jokes, and I and I don't sure. want to be lectured, and I like, I like the 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 fact that the entire conceit of the movie starts with a bureaucratic paperwork mistake based on a fly falling into a yeah. typewriter. You know, <laughs> very large, uh, a huge fly, and I, you know, and 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 again. <laughs> It's funny because it goes from Tuttle to Buttle, which Buttle. is funny. You know, that's a yeah, joke. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's 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 Robert De Niro as sort of a a renegade revolutionary HVAC repairman. Quite, quite possibly the smallest part he's ever played. Uh, but but it's I mean, so know, good. But it's so wow. good. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, I, there isn't anything about this movie I don't love. Uh, so you, it, it, you know, I, I hear that it is more fun. Maybe it's more fun to think about the themes yeah, than it is I mean, to actually watch it. But man, I still, I, I have such great enjoyment watching. I think, first of all, what I love is Jonathan Price's Sam Lowry is a terrible hero. He is a terrible hero. He is, everything he does is based on selfishness and and petulance and you know and so it's not like he gets tortured and fights the good fight. He gets tortured and loses his mind so no, he can just I be mean, inside very, his mind. It's, it's I love it's him. Very, I love it's, him. He's very human. It's very clockwork orange in that way, I think. Um where you're following somebody that maybe is not probably the I mean, look, Clockwork Orange is to the end fucking degree. You know, an anti-hero is not even 
that doesn't recover Alex's he kills like he kills and rapes to singing in the ring. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a, a bad dude. Monster. He's a bad guy. dude. Yeah. yeah, but but you know, in, in a similar way, I mean, it's following. You know, I, I guess at the very end, in, in in a big way, it's it's following somebody who's been you. You've got the hope. You've got your uh, not hope. Um, you've got your kind of individualism tortured the fuck out of you. Yeah, you know, um, in a, in a big way. You know, it's funny. You 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 uh, you and I are a lot of time as much as we disagree about Marvel. There are so many times where simpatico where it, it fucking scares me. But Salman Rushdie, our 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 our, our, our fatwa brother. Yeah. Um, um, I I came across an article. I didn't read uh, his that quote that you met just from uh, a, a, a very long review of the film that he did. That's included oh, yeah. in a book called. Um, it's included in a book of his called Imaginary Homelands, which I, I did own. not get to. Oh, you I, did. Oh, I, I do awesome. own that book. I do. Oh, I've read that whole book. Yeah. I own Satanic Verses, but not that. There, one. You, <laughs> there you go. And, anyway, I did come across a very dope uh, uh, Q and A between uh, Rushdie and Terry Gilliam uh, from TheBeliever.net. Yep. I don't know if, you know, if it's out there, Believer.net, interview with Terry Gilliam and, and Salman Rushdie. And, you know, Gilliam, he says, uh, you know, at the heart of Brazil is a man who has a privileged background, who is educated, who isn't taking responsibility for the world he is a part of. He is a cog in it, thinks he could do nothing better. To me, the heart of Brazil is responsibility, involvement. You can't just let the world go on doing what it's doing without getting involved. And of course, what he does is he falls in love. So he falls vulnerable and his whole world starts falling apart. Never fall in love. <laughs> I, just thought, I just thought that was a funny, I, the ending of that quotation was funny. Well, um, but I love that idea of, you know, this kind of, and look, there, there's, there, like I was saying earlier, there are a lot of themes that Gillian plays with in all of his movies. Um, Maybe not all of them, but in a lot of them. Um, you got, you got the outsider who feels crushed by the weight of society's uh, uh, oppressions, right, or expectations. Um, uh, fantasy, imagination, that starts to uh, 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 kind of uh, propel the protagonist or, or, you know, one of the protagonists, in the case of uh, Fisher King, out of the limitations of, of their world that they're in, okay? And also the absurdity of just human existence, yeah, right? Yeah. Which I, I think is fucking brilliant. You know, I, I, I love all of those themes. Um, again, to me, I'm watching them. And, and, and this, is the, this is part of the problem I have sometimes, okay? It's hard for me to watch a lot of uh, the Italian New Wave without seeing Scorsese or Tarantino or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so no, having, I get that. Having, having watched a lot of Gilliam films prior to this with Time Bandits, okay, but then after, more so after, with 12 Monkeys and Fear and Loathing yeah. and Munchausen. And uh, I didn't see the Coyote movie, but I saw the documentary. Oh, okay? it's so good. Um, it's so good. Okay. Both of so, them were good. So that's part of, I think, my problem personally, um, having watched the movie this late in life. I mean, the movie came out in fucking 85. So yeah. we're pushing 30 years on this. Um, it's my fault. And it's something that I had a difficulty with because... I saw so many more elements that worked in other films better than they did in this film. Okay. So, so I to me, to me yeah. it was like watching 
student film Terry Gilliam. Oh, see. Versus, see, yeah, I, see, I know, see, I know, I know, see, I know. The I, thing is, I, and, well, and, well I, no, I don't, actually, I don't think it's a problem. I think it is the difference in how you and I enjoy film. And, and this sure. is at, at the heart of it is sure. that it, it's one of the, you know, it's, is that you, you really, and it's because you're in the industry. I mean, I'm not in the industry. You do tend to focus on you know what it reminds me of i can't watch a play i can't i can't watch a play and without not, seeing the script without well without criticizing the direction and okay, seeing yeah, yeah. you know like too many blackouts all that kind of stuff i yeah. can't do that but that's because i'm in the thing you can't watch a movie without seeing all of the techniques at play in terms of yeah. camera lens all yeah. i don't see any of that what i see is the ideas presented mm-hmm. and does it, and so and i and i think that's probably our difference it's yeah. interesting to me that you mentioned that 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 you feel like maybe if you'd watched the movie earlier in life you yeah. might have had a different experience. It's funny yeah. that, that that interview with Rushdie and, and Gilliam, Gilliam is one of my favorite, not just my, one of my favorite directors, because, I mean, in my list of perfect movies, oh, oh, yeah. he's, he's got the most. He's got the most of my movies, it, Yeah, and that says a lot about my taste. But one of the things I love about Gilliam is he's had such an outsider perspective when it comes oh, to Hollywood. Yes. And, yes. and I yes. think when he first made this film, he was frustrated, but he was still focused on the film. I think by the time he got to that interview with Salman Rushdie, he was so jaded by Hollywood that, 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 that it changed his own perception of what that film was to him. Yeah, and I, mean, I look, love that, 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 was, that, that his was... movie changed him it the time changed him. I mean, talk hearing an interview with him now, there's something wrong oh, sure. with his brain. He's like mammoth. <laughs> that interview that interview was in two thousand and three. Yeah, exactly. Between him and Rushdie, right? So yeah, like eighty five so, to twenty you know, two thousand three. That's a lot of years that, yeah. from and I think you know, he's, and a lot and a lot of adversity. Because at this point in the interview, it's he's uh, already faced with the, the fucking Quixote situation. Yeah. Right? Like it, and when you're an artist of this stature or I, I don't want to say stature because that, that's the wrong word. When you're an artist of, of, of that kind of, oh, fuck it, brilliance. Yeah. It's hard to get movies made because it's such a singular fucking vision. And I will. I will throw him up there with Tim Burton, with, um, I, I don't know, I don't want to say Nolan. Nolan, eh. He's but like different. The, the, the people who have like, just pure aesthetics. Yeah, they're, that they bring the films. The, the, the Cohen brother, Cohen brothers yeah, is a good. Uh, you know, sure. it's like uh, David. As much Wes as Anderson, music, Wes Anderson, yeah, Wes Anderson. I hate him too, you know, but yes, yeah, you know, very I mean, specific. It's a singular fucking vision. Man. Absolutely, like, absolutely. Who has that? You yeah, know? yeah, and yeah. I love it. You know, when you're watching their film, that it's like they're a marquee director. It's. A, Spielberg kind of has that in a lot of films. Yeah, um, it's yeah, a little it's more a, subtle. He's a little more people a, yeah. pleasing. But you're uh, a marquee director. Oh no, no, yeah, yeah. Terry Gilliam is not out to please. The he is not. Audience. No, he is not. Out, he is yeah. out to make his vision, <laughs> and I just happen to love everything he puts on the on the on the screen. Every so, moment, every moment makes me laugh or gasp or. Or, or reflect on something larger, or you know, I mean, the, the gag, the gag of the uh, uh, his mother's friend, who's good. Oh, my complication had a complication. Oh, you know, yeah, it's yeah, just she yeah. just gets grosser yeah. and grosser. Yeah, it's and then 
to me, it and I, and I know maybe it's just because I love Terry Gilliam so much. I know he was laughing his dick off when she pulled out that red lingerie. Oh, sure. can you yeah. picture uh, me sure. in this? Yeah. And I mean, that's just funny. It just cracks me up because it's just so awful in every way, but still really funny. I mean, in a huge way too. You know, I said prescience earlier is not even a. That's too small of a word to describe you know, what he's doing in this movie. But, like, let's talk a minute about the ducts that are everywhere. Right? It's extraordinary. And the, ducts, the ducts, but it's a, a means of a connection between people, right? But like social media these days, it really fucks everything up more than it really brings people well, together. It's just a matter, like, it's just a matter of, like, uh, when Tuttle switches the shit duct yeah. With the air duct. It's just yeah, a matter yeah, yeah. of just switching a yeah. duct, and all of a sudden your suit's filled with shit. And I would yep. say Twitter is basically yeah. your suit yeah. filling up with shit. Yeah, <laughs> depending on depending on what you watch, when you watch it, your algorithm can change like that. And instead of getting information, you're getting disinformation. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's I mean it, I mean it's really fucking interesting. And look, I mean, it, it is Gilliam. It was his idea. He brought screenwriters in to help flesh out the idea. Yeah. Okay. You know, and I'm going to say, I wonder how AI would fucking work in this kind of situation, right? Well, Doesn't a- Go ahead. No, no, no. Please. No, please, please. it's one of the things I thought was interesting that, that you know, it's been something we're discussing, something I'm writing about, and then this happens to be the movie. The thing about it is, I think AI could probably come up with a passable Gilliam script, but I don't think oh. under any, I mean, a script, that's the thing. Uh, there's yeah, a dip yeah, because yeah. he's got a similar well, storyline that he wants to do, but I don't think there's any AI at this point, maybe in 10 years, maybe in right. 15 I'll, minutes, I'll, could make it have that singular vision because he is so very specific about what he wants to see on that screen. And I'll say this about the thing about AI, and a part of what scares me. Producers, and I saw this as part of the research for the, the Batman documentary. Yeah, Peter, yeah. Gruber, Peter Gruber, and this is something that's ages old. It's been said a million times in a million different books and interviews, etc. There are three different movies, right? There's the one that's written, there's the one that's shot, and there's the one that's edited. Yeah. Peter Goober, Peter Goober specifically with the Batman documentary I watched said the script is only a blueprint. Just a blueprint. I think Terry Gilliam wants to shoot the script. Oh, I think he does so, too. He's so hands-on with it. Yeah. Right? And that's that's why John Carpenter, I mean, you could talk about even yeah. Nolan in a lot of ways because it's soup to nuts. Brother, soup to nuts. Right? They're right yeah, in there yeah, yeah, in the yeah. weeds. That's what they want to see on the end. Yeah, at so, the end. So, so that's why he fights so hard for his final cut. You're never going to lose that singular vision when you have an artist that's really in it from the beginning to the end, soup to nuts, like your womb to tomb. What is it? Womb to tomb? Womb to tomb. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, you know. You're never going to lose that singular vision. And, you know, I, I hope we don't lose artists like this, like Burton, like Nolan, etc., with the, uh, I don't even want to say advent because it's already here, but the, the, the kind of inevitable, inevitability of AI into uh, uh, artistic uh, 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 territory, I, you know. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, it, I'm just it, happy Brazil got made, and I'm I'm happy well, that I can watch it anytime I yeah, want to. I own yeah. multiple copies of it, and 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 the thing about it is, and I totally understand where you're coming from. Is like if it's the first time you've seen it, thirty how many years after it came out i get that i've been i've been watching this movie and considering it my favorite film um sure. for i mean i, I like it since yeah, it I, came out this is just i think it's one of the the thing is i miss and i don't miss it necessarily because uh, i think if every movie were like this i would probably get fucking bored at a certain point oh yeah 100%. but what i but what i love about brazil more than it cuz you know me i like my marvel films i like my horror films i like my science fiction you know i like all that shit I, it didn't have to be deep but what i love about brazil is it's like watching a movie made by a really like irreverent kind of slightly drunk and maybe stoned serious fucking philosopher and yeah. all of the ideas it's it's i mean it's goofy it's weird it's kind of like off-putting in some ways and really engaging in others and but but I walk away every time I watch this movie really thinking about it's exactly what you did you you did the thing that I do all the time which is Social media. He was kind of well. Of course, he wasn't predicting social media, but because his it, the philosophy behind his ideas are so grounded in the human experience and how we experience technology and how we experience each other with the technology that we have and what our wants and needs, our selfish needs, our selfless needs, government, religion, all of this stuff. It just makes it a, a real stew of, well, and of idea, ideas. And this idea that like automation is going to make your life easier or better or more connected. Like, I, no, it, it does not. You know, another article I came across, too, um, you know, it had a, a Philip K. Dick quote. You know, fucking Philip K. Dick, big oh, sci-fi yeah. guy. Um, it, is sometimes an in, it is sometimes an appropriate response to reality to go insane. And I, that's so fitting for how this movie ends, right? And, and well, the version that we like, the, right? the, the version the, that we love. The correct you know, version, the correct we will say. Version. We will yes. say the correct yes. version. Yes. Uh, there, the, the, the only escape from this oppressive fucking world is to go inward, you know? And in a way, it's really fucking tragic. And in a way, it's also really fucking freeing because... How free is your mind? The the billions of places you can go in your mind, right? Like, yeah, it's 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 really sad and tragic. It's it and and, and beautiful at the same time. Like, and there's not a lot of filmmakers. There's not a lot, there are not a lot of films that do that. You know, um, what was it in that Rushdie uh, uh, interview? They were talking about, you know, E. T. Right, and about how you know, uh, I think Gilliam said uh, like the biggest mistake was E. T.'s big. Uh, what is it, Keen? The, the the artist with the big eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keen. I think that's right. The I think that's right. The biggest mistake was giving E.T. keen eyes like that, the big eyes. If you gave him little slit eyes, like the fucking frogs they're dissecting at one point in E.T., 
it might be a little harder to fall in love with E.T. And what a fucking message that would have brought to the movie if the kids fell in love with something that was a little more grotesque, a little not easy to fall in love with. And right? that's Gilliam to, in Spain. Yeah, 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 yeah. In yeah, Spain. Yeah, for sure. And I look, I love him as a filmmaker. And like, look, I, you know, again, I'll be honest. Like I was, I was slightly dreading watching this. Oh, um, I could hear I it did, in your voice. I, I could hear it in your voice yeah, when I said, when I said the I, film, you were like, oh, I, shit. I did, yeah, I did not have the best time watching the film. Um, I think I've explained, I, I think. Why. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but having done the research that I do, and this is why I love doing these dives, not just for this podcast. I've, I've done this long before, years before we ever started recording this shit. Um, uh, another one that comes to mind is um, Mulholland Drive, mm-hmm. right? You start doing it, and, 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 and Finch, it's a uh, rabbit uh, hole. Da- David, David Lynch is famous for not telling anybody anything. It's even a fucking in interviews. It's a rabbit so, hole you can go down forever right, right. with that movie. So, yeah. like, thinking about a lot of the kind of theories that are out there that are not Lynch's theories, by the way, but just thinking about all of that shit that's out there. So, I love doing it, and I think it gave more of an appreciation for the. I don't know that I will revisit the film soon. Maybe I'll give it time. I'll give it some space. Maybe I'll read more. Um, but the next time I do see it, because I'm sure I will, um, I'll have all this information and I'll bring it with me to the watching of the film. And I hope, yeah. in a way, I, in a way, I hope that's partly what our podcast might do for people who haven't seen the films that we've been talking about. We do some populist films like Batman, et cetera, right? But like maybe there are some other films and, and this is teaching me a lesson like d- don't, don't go into anything looking to shit on it or looking to kind of like find the bad in it, right? Initially, like I said, I was dreading it. And then I thought to myself, well, wait a second. How often do you get to see a movie of stature, quote unquote, for the first time ever? It's, it, so that's why. So that's why before before Brazil, I, I had watched After mm-hmm. Hours weeks ago. After Hours was one of those ones where I was like, "It's a fucking Scorsese movie," and see, I've gonna, never seen. It. How so I'm going to have to rewatch that brand new. Yeah, I'm going to have to rewatch that because I haven't seen a long time. Scorsese movie. Yeah, right. How often do you get to see a brand new Terry Gilliam film? There you go. Well, I just got to. You know, and I just got to see a Scorsese one. Like, that's cool. So, like, it's 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 reframing. It's 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 yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. So, look, I know why I had my issues with it. Um, yeah, I think if I saw this in the '90s when I was like really getting into film and really getting into film theory and all of that shit, like, I probably would have dug it more than I did at. 44 years old in 2020 fucking three fair enough so, and, but it's and, but it's it's worth watching it, i i and it will remain my and it will remain my yeah. favorite movie until somebody yeah. else makes another movie that i like better because i think it's Fuck just hey, i think it's grand it's not big enough no that's not big enough either that's more like it we're delighted to have you with us and we extend a cordial welcome to you We've lined up the top stars from Hollywood and from all over the world to entertain you on our giant screen with the new colorful motion pictures you've been hearing about and reading about. To add to your enjoyment, we're all wound up to bowl you over at intermission time with live wire service at our snack bar, where you'll find a tempting variety of favorite foods and beverages. 
your continued patronage is very, very welcome. What do you oh, want to watch? Okay, so you didn't really. I mean, you. you oh, here there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were you were kind of split on 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 your. You like the ideas behind the film, but the actual viewing of it wasn't. So, what are the two movies that you're going to have people watch with this film to kind of yeah give them a good experience? You know, I mean, I don't know if it's going to give a good experience. Um, I kind of went with a, 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 a the kind of vibe of of of, of breaking out of your doldrums. Breaking out of um, of what you feel you might be stuck in, right? Like that's kind of the biggest vibe I got from watching. He's a cog. Four and a half. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know that that's the biggest vibe I got from that, right? So um, you know I'll go with <laughs> again. This is not one that you would want to put into Chat GPT because it's fucking terrible. Um, I enjoy the film for that kind of goofy reason that I enjoy Ishtar. It is bad. And to watch something that has stars in it, that a studio paid a lot of money to fucking produce, I think there are, I think there's value in watching shit like that. I don't know if we'll ever discuss it here, but there's value in it. So my first pick would be uh, Joe versus the Volcano from <laughs> 1990. With uh, what a fucking Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks and, and uh, Meg Ryan, yeah, yeah. and Abe Vigoda. Such know, a, I mean, it's just it's a strange movie. It, it it's bizarre. It's and bizarre. It has, at the beginning of it, it has that kind of dystopian fucking feel. Yeah. with his office place in that same kind of fucking way. You know, the repetition and 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 all of that. Like, yeah. So so I went there and. Um, you know, my second one is uh, The Truman Show from 1988. See, I love that movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Um, it's, a, it's ahead of its time in terms of the glut of, of, of uh, reality TV and the fucking cameras being on you 24-7. Um, clearly, the storyline is more manipulative because it's literally somebody who, from birth, was controlled by... Which and, I think is a great conceit. And, it's oh, such a very... It's such a and great it's a conceit. God story. It's a God story. Yeah, you know, exactly Chris, what Chris it is. Kristoff by Ed Harris is God. Is God. And at the end, literally, you have Jim Carrey walking on water yes to the staircase you know i mean it's 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 you know it's a god christ analogy it, it's a great fucking so what, movie so what order would you watch these films oh that's a good question i mean i would i i would have i would probably have to go in order i i would uh, you know in, in in release order i i would go um brazil volcano and then uh, uh truman show okay yeah, yeah that's good yeah yeah, that's yeah, good. yeah. i think yeah 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 yeah, I mean, just even aesthetically, you know, the, how filmmaking slightly changed. Yeah. Even between 90 and 98, you know? Yep. Um, yeah, between 85 to 90, 90 to 98. Yeah, I think aesthetically, yeah, I would, yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah. Oh, John Patrick Shanley fucking wrote and directed Volcano. Yeah, yeah, what? yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. How did that movie go so wrong? <laughs> that's, a, that's a conversation for another fucking time we don't have time go. for that tonight yeah go ahead all right What's for my yours? triple What's feature yours? i'm actually uh because I, I to me again i'm a gilliam purist in yeah that you're doing you're going i you're i going went i i went with his uh his uh orwellian triptych so yeah. i would say you watch 19 you watch 1984 and a half you watch sure, brazil sure. <laughs> where where the where the storyline is 
here is here is a man who is caught as a cog in the thing. He's kind of mentally uh-huh. divergent. He's he's having these flights of fancy. He's going into this thing, and at the end of it, he kind of goes into this fugue state where he is perpetually in a land of his own fantasy. Yeah. Then you follow that up with 1995's Twelve Monkeys. I fucking. We will do this movie. It's such a good movie. I love this movie. And and yeah. and what and what I wrote is like like Sam Lowry, like that character James Cole is caught again in a mental divergence, and the line between reality and fantasy is even more yeah. blurred than Sam's as he mm-hmm. desperately tries to please his doctors, which we find out the main one is really in, was insurance was an insurance mm-hmm. you know before the virus killed the world, and so you have this this. It's like Sam Lowry is a, is sort of a normal guy who hates sort of like the system and and as a part of that he escapes into his own mm-hmm. fantasy. James Cole is not escaping. He he's caught in between reality and fantasy all the time. Well the past and the present. Yeah, so yeah. Especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, then yeah. I would follow that up with 2000 and not a lot of people have seen this movie. Um and I think it's the thing is as a movie, if you didn't really care for Brazil, you will hate the Zero Theorem. Okay. But what I will say is, in the context, it, 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 I guess that's one of the things. This movie has to have a context for it to be watchable. Because it's mm-hmm. a really... it's Because re- what it is, is the Zero Theorem, 2013, yep. Christoph yep. Waltz. Yeah, yeah. Um, my argument is, I say it can be argument, but my argument is by the time we hit the world of Zero Theorem, all of humanity is now in that fugue state that Lowry cascades into while being tortured. Now, everybody in humanity is in this sort of this optimistic hopelessness. Oh. And, 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 and uh, the, the character that Christoph Waltz plays is... Big Brother. You start with oh, the main. Wow. Okay. You start with the Shit. main character. The perspective of Brazil is from the yeah, regular right, guy right. being right. controlled by Big Brother. Zerothrum right. is the Big Brother. You have fifty foot tall wow. lips singing rainbows to these vapid people, guided by a Big Brother figure in control. So if if, if Brazil's oh. from the perspective of perspective of one being controlled, Zero yeah. Theorem is from the perspective of the one who exerts that control. And I think if you were to just watch Zero Theorem by itself, you go, what the fuck is this? Yeah. That's but, probably why I have a not. Yeah, yeah. But in the con <laughs> but in the context of that triptych, in the context of going from Brazil to Twelve Monkeys to Zero Theorem, it's a really natural progression and it's and it just it, it, and I'll be honest with you, this is what's so funny about my week. Not only did I watch all three versions of Brazil, oh. but I watched Twelve Monkeys and Zero Theorem as well, oh, just, wow, to, wow, just to wow. test just to test my wow. theory because sure. I knew I knew if you hadn't seen Zero Theorem, yeah. even if you loved Brazil, I don't know if I would. I, in fact, I don't think I would recommend. Zero Theorem, The Zero Theorem is actually the name of the movie, um, to anybody as just a standalone movie. But I can feel very comfortable recommending it as a third in this triad because I think in in an intellectual way, it makes a really very genuine, it finishes the story at a really nice frame. could, Could you make the leap without 12 Monkeys? Could you do it as a double feature? See that's the thing is without just, zero just eighty four just eighty four to zero 
Yeah, well, that's the thing is... Uh, uh, Brazil, excuse me, fuck me. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. The thing is, <laughs> I, I, I think you can watch... I mean, you can totally watch Brazil and 12 Monkeys, but without... No, no, without no. that, without that, without that, that, that big brother perspective, without it going yeah. from completely hog wild, oh, it, no, no, that's it what I feels mean. incomplete. That's, I'm sorry. That's what I mean. Can you go from Brazil to Zero Theorem without Twelve Monkeys? Is my no, question. Could you, absolutely oh, you not. Can't. You need you need the bridge. You, you have to bridge. have the bridge, yeah. Okay. Because okay. again, like I said, it's like Sam is a normal yeah, guy yeah, yeah, yeah. like me, who's had these flights of fancy, and then he finally loses right, right, right. his mind. James Cole is caught in, and he doesn't even know he's having flights of fancy. Uh, he right. is, no, no, no. He's caught between the past and the future and also what is real and what is not real. Got it. You know, okay. it's like he, you know, you're like in 12 Monkeys, you got the Hey Bob. Oh, hey God. Bob. Yeah. Well, you don't know if that guy's real or not. You don't know if he's in his right. head or not. Right, Neither right, right. does James Cole. So it's James so Cole much, is, yeah. is sort of literally just kind of traversing the line between fantasy and reality. And then you God. get to complete fantasy, and the fantasy is controlled by a character that is the main character of the Zero Theorem. It's we, I think it's a perfect We will we will we will cover that fucking movie. Um Bruce Willis does some amazing work in that film. It's the best I thing swear to God, ever for his, he's done. For his for his handsome as Brad Pitt is. He's so good. That fucking guy is a phenomenal actor. Well, if you don't know, Bob, when we talk, yeah, when we talk oh. about 12 Monkeys, that's one of the things I love about God. 12 Monkeys and watching it the other so night. Good. It just hit me again, is that if you recall, I don't know if you remember this, but Brad Pitt was sort of like a pretty boy. Oh, yeah. Until yes. 12 Monkeys. And yes. he did 12 Monkeys and he did it to say, I'm an actor. And yeah. he was so, everybody just went, holy shit, this guy's got chops. All right, I'm going to go first. So my movie uh, and the thing about it is, uh, this is a, a sequel. Not really a sequel. It is a second half. It's like Kill Bill, oh. Kill Bill. This is, is the that second. Right? Is that, was it, hold on. What, well, do your thing, we'll talk about it. Yeah, this is, this is the second half of, of, uh, of this, and so let me play it for you. It's breathtaking. When you see sand here, imagine water. If you dive in, you can't reach the bottom. You dive in. Yes, it's called swimming. I don't I don't believe you. In the shadows of Arrakis lie many secrets. But the darkest of them all may remain. The end of House Atreides. Your father didn't believe in revenge. What if Paul Atreides were still alive? Have you ever had a dream about your first ride? Don't try to impress anyone. You're brave, we all know that. Be simple. Be direct.
nothing fancy. I understand. We gave them something to hope for. That's not hope! May thy knife chip and shatter. That's right. Dune Part 2, the second part of Dune. Um, David uh, Villeneuve. Um, I, I loved... Dennis. 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 Yeah, sure. Whatever, French motherfucker. All I'm saying is, I loved Dune. I've watched it yeah. several times, and I'm very excited to see the second half. Um, it is the continuation of the book. It's almost. It's one of the things I think is very interesting because the first movie does the first half of the book, and the first half of the book is the least interesting part of the move of part of the book. The the, the second half. That's where all the action is. The second part of the oh. Was it an interesting film? I loved it. So, okay. So the first half of the book is boring. No, it's not boring. For, okay. I didn't say it's boring. Shit, I doesn't, said, shit doesn't have to be. It's, it's, it's world the, building. It's, it's world building. It's the political stuff. The first half is all the oh. political intrigue. It's more Shakespearean. And the second half what is more f- like, fuck you, revolution, riding the sandworms, destroying the Arcadians, fucking A. F- you fucking nerd. I love I you. love that Jesus shit. Christ. I love that shit. I have not seen the first one. I do want as I remember watching the trailer. I I I love again, we were just talking about Gilliam. I love world building. I think it's really fucking cool when people take big fucking swings. I have never seen the David Lynch version. We were talking about David Lynch. It's earlier. it's horrible but wonderful. It. It's horrible but wonderful. It. I love. So it. I have no no expectation. I've never read the book. All I know is, uh, like you said, sandworms, uh, which I heard about at Beetlejuice first. Okay, um, <laughs> so uh, sandworms and something about fucking spice, which I who fucking knows. Don't tell me shit. I don't care. You just Let gotta watch it. On the fucking movie. You What's watch interesting it. to me is, um, I you know. I, I worked with Christopher Walken for two days on a movie. Nothing big, not a big deal. But being around the guy is really fucking something. I don't how do I don't I don't know how to picture him in this movie. It's bizarre to me. It's bizarre. Like I okay, this cast again stacked cast stacked Thanks, everybody motherfucking stacked, stacked, I mean, stacked cast, stacked, which is scary because like everything is a stacked cast nowadays. Like how do I get in a movie for fuck's sake? Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, I also fucking cannot stand Timothy Chalamet. Dude. He's like he's on the list with like Paul Dano and, yeah, and Seth I see Rogen. That. I see that. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I can't say Seth Rogen. No, 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 no. I'm not saying there's. I'm not saying any of those guys. Just are you hate him? Or, or uh, Michael Sarah is another. Uh, okay, one. All right, I'm not that's saying fair. any of those people are similar in any way. Except that they're on my list of people like I just can't stand them. You know, um, I didn't. I didn't like Timothy Chalamet until Dune. 
I was never really. I mean, he's uh, fine. He's fine. Was, he's fine. Uh, look, Lady Bird, I love. Yeah, he's Lady great. He's, loved yeah, Lady he's fine. Bird. Fine. Yeah. I don't fucking care about him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm telling you, what I'm, and, and this was my what was experience. Little Women? Wasn't he in Little Women? I think the, so. The, I don't remember. The fucking new one? How the fuck Dude, would was, I know? What do you fucking. All right. It was Greta Gerwig did Little Women. I know. I saw it. I saw it, but I wasn't. But I wasn't watching it for oh, Timmy Chalamet. I don't care. No, but when I'm what he's 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 Paul Atreides. He's the main character. He's the hero of the entire fucking giant tome of Dune. Yeah, and, that's why I haven't watched. And and, and so I watched the first. <laughs> I watched the first movie, and for the first, I, and I'll be honest with it, for the first like third of the movie. I'm just not buying it because this guy's supposed to be the badass of badasses, uh, supposed to be able to fight, and, and he looks like he looks like a wind could blow him over. I mean, yes. it, you know. It, but yes. by the time this Dune, by the time it ends, well, it worked for me. I was you like, know what? okay, just, I'm down for this. That's just what a good filmmaker, Denis Villeneuve, is. French motherfucker. Fucking, I say it. All right, here's. Your, here's I also, I oh. also have a sequel. Yes, you do. Pick. Yours is so. a threequel. A threequel. It's oh a third. God. It's a not third. Since, not since Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen. <laughs> That's correct. Okay. Here it yeah, goes. Penso che un sogno così non ritorni mai più. E incominciavo a volare nel cielo infinito. Nine seconds. That's what I'll give you to decide your fate. Ciao Roberto. Roberto, tell me, what did you do back home? Government work. I'm retired, man. I understand pain, death, or you. Who is that? My bandit. <laughs> Because of these people, I'm beginning to understand real peace. Roberto, this is my wife. Ciao, ciao. Oh. And I'm starting to believe. Ciao, Gianco. They see you as one of us now. This is where I'm supposed to be. What happens here happens in many towns. The mafia. They're like cancer. No cure. Who said you could come here? You should stay out of other people's business. Whatever it is you and your friends do, do it somewhere else. Are you warning me? I'm preparing. <laughs> Is that a Timex? No, it's a boot. That's the median nerve that I'm compressing. That's a level three. If it goes to level four, you will shit on yourself. You seem like a man who understands violence. I like this place. You can't take that from me. I can take anything I want. Police found multiple dead bodies on that farm in Sicily. Did you kill him? Nine seconds. 
Do I look like a killer? <laughs>
fish called Wanda. Oh God, I love you. That's a great choice. You know, um, that's I was, a, especially I, I was, after you, Gilliam. I'll, we're gonna I'll, now I'll, we're gonna. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you off mic what I was torn between. Um, but but yeah, specifically seeing Palin in this role in Brazil, where <sighs> he's. I mean, Gilliam said it in one of the interviews I watched. Like, he basically asked Palin to play himself, yeah. which is an impossible fucking thing to ask a character actor like Michael Palin to do. He does a great um, job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so having seen him in this, but he's brilliant. He's wonderful. Yeah, um, yeah. It brought to mind his 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 brilliant stuttering, Wanda. his stuttering. Oh God, it's yeah. No, that's what. And I mean, it's also it's also. Genius. Uh, it's one of the it's one of the few movies where an actor actually won an Oscar for comedic for performance a co- for a comedy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not Palin, but um, uh, Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein. Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Blank for a second. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and you know we're in this fucking you know uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis Renaissance, and I, you know, yeah, I think it's brilliant. I I think it's brilliant, and and you know speaking to the kind of English wit. Of of Brazil, I, I I think it's a good compliment. I wouldn't do it as a double. I almost picked it as a double feature or triple part of the triple feature. I wouldn't do that because it's no. it's just like a wholly different uh, beast. Um, but I do want to revisit it. I love the film. It's been a few years. I do own it. Um, I, I, I'm picking it cause I want to watch it again and I yeah, think and I'm, talk about. and I'm thrilled to watch it and I already know what my yeah. triple features are going to be. So, Holy uh, shit. yeah, nice. I just, the minute wow. you said it, I went, Oh, I already know what I want to watch with Hopefully this movie. Not fierce creatures. I didn't know. Not, no, no, <laughs> no. All right. That's the show. Fuck Thank yeah, you, Donnie. This has been fun. Bro. This has been fun. Bert. We will, we will talk again soon. See you at the movies. <laughs>